coming back there, Barry, in a bit. That's all right. Can you drag yourself off the piano? No. Barry's going to sit there. Well, good evening, everyone. How are you? You good? I'm going to talk to the crowd in that section over there. How are you good? What happened to them? What did you lot say to them? I don't know. <laughs> At least I won't get neck ache that side. Oh, the band are going to go and sit over there. That's going to confuse everything, isn't it? Okay. Bless the Lord and bless all those saints of God who come out to church twice on a Sunday. It's very old school. Give yourselves a pat on the back. Give your partner a... No, better not do that. Better not do that. Okay. Enough stalling. So... The moment you've all been waiting for, the announcement of the theme, which is going to run through Refreshing 2024, is, okay, that was slightly dramatic, wasn't it? It's Refreshing Wells. Wells. I I don't know about you, I'm convinced that the word contains an endless supply of refreshing wells, from which we can drink. And from which we should drink. The plan through this year is to seek out some of those wells. Old ones and new ones. And we're going to go on a quest. Last year it was a quest for treasure. This year it's a quest for living water. So actually we're going to spend refreshing 2024 in the Psalms. Which I reckon is a very, very good place to be. And in the Psalms, you know what, we, we, we find some wonderful sources of replenishment and of nourishment and hopefully of fresh revelation. The principle is this, simply put, without water, you die. Natural and spiritual. Without water, your spiritual life, your Christian life, literally dries up. And you become weak and weary and apathetic and lifeless and powerless. It becomes religion. It becomes a going through the motions. And it becomes fruitless and frustrating. But the flip is that God's plan for us is rivers of living water. Overflowing life and fullness and inspiration and abundance and fruitfulness. And if you were a bunch of Pentecostals, that would be a great place for an amen. Thank you. John 7, 37. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil, my cup overflows. Oh, how we need more of that. And you know what? That is God's plan for you. 
rivers of living water. You know, the Bible frequently attends to themes like dryness and thirstiness and barrenness. Psalm 63 verses 1 and 2. Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 43 verse 1. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? You know, the reality is that we leak. We, we empty. We, we get squeezed dry like a sponge. And we instinctively know that, that we need to replace what we've lost. But the danger is we look in all the wrong places for a refill. To, to soothe our frustration. To satisfy that, that sense of lack. The danger is we go chasing counterfeits. We have a whole world full of people who are chasing counterfeits. Entertainment, leisure, love, sex, retail therapy, comfort food, substances of various forms, career advancement, adrenaline rush. You know, the reality is that we will not find what we are really looking for in any of those places. John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Not even in e little winky little tiny bit. The Spirit that gives life. Jesus said, the words that I speak to are life. Spirit and they are life. The point being that spiritual life and rivers and abundance and overflow come only from the Spirit of God. You just will not find it anywhere else. Remember Jesus' banter with the woman at the well. Remember that story, that Samaritan lady? And the conversation was quite humorous. It went something like this. She said, you drink the water out of that bucket. She's pulling it out of the well, which is what she's there for. If you drink that water, you'll just go grow thirsty all over again. But Jesus said in John 4.13, he said, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. For the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So here was a woman who knew she was missing something but had been searching in all the wrong places. Remember the story, multiple marriages, repeated failures, still messing up. But Jesus offered her instead Zoe, the God kind of life, abundant, overflowing life. So with all that in mind, the purpose of refreshing in a nutshell is to provide a monthly opportunity to drink and soak and rest in the spirit of the living God. Why? So he can fill us up again. We all leak, come dry, 
We empty ourselves repeatedly as we serve. And if we truly want to flourish, we need to drink. To drink deeply and to drink often. Revelation 22, 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the waters of life. What a great verse. So I said, the plan for refreshing 2024, you know, the, the, the book of Psalms contains a treasure trove of untapped wells. Prophetic and inspiring, God-breathed. And so each month we're going to take one and we're going to squeeze it for spiritual life and for nourishment and for encouragement. And then we're going to take what that psalm opens up into a time of ministry and response. I've been working my way through the psalms. Actually, as I color them in and making a note every time I get one that kind of made me, the spirit on the inside of me leap. But uh, today I'm going to start in a really obvious place. I'm going to start with Psalm 23. I'm sure it's familiar to you. You can probably quote much of it. But you know what? There is so much in Psalm 23. I describe it as the charismatic dream. And so what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to open it up to us afresh tonight. Why? It's because this is a well that you can come back to and drink from over and over and over again. So here we go. Psalm 23. You ready? That was the introduction. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. We might not get much beyond that tonight. <laughs> he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. The New King James. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is a message from the good shepherd to his sheep. Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Aren't you glad that the Lord is your shepherd? I want you to pause for a second. I want you to sigh. And I want you to breathe that reality in. Because here's the good news. He gets to be the shepherd. So you don't have to be. Do you know what? You can relax and let go. You can allow the shepherd to do what shepherds do. Which is to lead and to protect and to feed and to nurture. Our job simply is to follow where the shepherd leads. So my best advice 
for 2024 is to find your lane and stay in it. Recognize his role and yours. You know what? It's time to give up trying to be your own shepherd. And it's time to live like one of his sheep. I'm tempted to make you all go bar, but I'm not going to. Thank you. Very good. Let me ask you a few leading questions on that line. Not the bar ring. What burdens are you carrying that you shouldn't be? Well, that's a question. What unsolvable conundrums are you trying to fix? What cats are you unsuccessfully trying to herd? You know that expression? Sometimes feel like that. My brother's one is, if you, if you ever try nailing jelly to the wall? Here's the good news. The Lord is my shepherd. And do you know what that means? That means all the still water business, all the soul restoring, all the path of righteousness stuff, that's his job. That's his job. But there's a threat. And here it is. The threat is that God is not the only one trying to shepherd you. Remember John 10? John chapter 10? In that chapter, Jesus tells us a great deal about the good shepherds. Wonderful section. But he also introduces another character. And he calls this character the thief or the stranger. He calls him a hireling. Just for a second, just to contrast the two characters in that scene. John 10, verse 10. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verses 3 and 4. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. That's what the shepherd does. But then there's this other character, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Verse 5, that they won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And the point again is, is the Lord is not the only one trying to shepherd you. And the other one is trying to lead you to a very different place. And is delivering a very different message. And has very different plans for you. And so far, my first message for today is this. Choose your shepherd. I reckon you've got a choice of three. Number one is the Lord. Number two is the enemy. Number three is yourself. I suggest that question alone will be a great place to start 2024. So I'm going to pray into that now. Lord, we choose you. 
we choose you. We're so grateful that you are our shepherd. We're so grateful for what shepherds do and we acknowledge that we need that. And we know that there are other influences and forces and personalities, spiritual forces trying to shepherd us and trying to lead us and trying to feed us and leading us astray. And we start 2024 by saying, no, I'm not going to take that road. I say, Lord, I choose you. And the other candidate is me, myself. And Lord, I choose to resist all temptations for me to be my own shepherd. And for me to take all that on board for myself and try to fix everything and try to change everything and try to manipulate everything and carrying all these burdens that I don't need to because I am not the shepherd. And if I try to do it, it will simply crush me. And I make a choice, Lord, this day to let go of all that and to declare the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. Okay, back to verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. Let me ask you, is that your experience? How do you feel tonight? Are you, are you lacking nothing? Or are you depleted? Are you full or frustrated? Are you overflowing? Or are you drying up? I'm going to propose three keys. The first key is this. Make sure the right shepherd is doing the shepherding. It's pretty straightforward, really. One will lead you into wholeness and into fullness and into abundance. And the other will drive you into lack and into emptiness and into disappointment, into shame. His pastures are not green. His waters are not still. It will be turmoil, not peace. He will ravage rather than restore your soul. He will lead you in the paths of unrighteousness and sin. He will agitate, not comfort. There is no anointing. It won't be goodness and mercy, but sin and condemnation and regret. It might feel a little tough and unfeeling, but if you are feeling any of those, perhaps you are inadvertently following the wrong shepherd. Number two, key number two is, is make sure you are listening to the right voice. Here we go. You know the other one is a liar, right? Constantly telling you what you don't have and what you can't do. See, the shepherd will tell you you can and the stranger will mock you. You can't. The shepherd will say, I've promised and I've provided it. And the stranger will tell you, you just don't deserve it. The shepherd will say, my grace is sufficient. The stranger will say, don't you believe it. 
God is deliberately withholding from you because you are just not good enough. So it goes on. John 10 verse 5, I've already read it. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. And then third key is this. If, if you are trying to lead, you will inevitably want. Okay, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you are trying to lead yourself, you will inevitably want. Your own pursuit will always fall short. You're, you're merely limiting yourself to, to the best you can do. Fact. If you put yourself in God's place, it will not end well. Resist the temptation to be your own source and to fix it yourself. To believe that you know best. And this goes right back to the Garden of Eden, actually. The serpent lying to Adam and Eve. But the flip is this. If you let him lead, he will take you to all the places he promises in Psalm 23. And I'm going to run through them for you. If you let him lead, I will make you to lie down in green pastures. I will lead you beside the still waters. I will restore your soul. I will lead you in the paths of righteousness. I will take away your fear and comfort you with my rod and staff. I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I will anoint your head with oil so your cup runs over. I will make sure that my goodness and my mercy follow you all the days of your life. If you let him lead, he will take you to all the places he promises in Psalm 23. Can you imagine that life? What, what a great list that is. You know, my, my pastoral heart longs for a Psalm 23 life for all of you. Good news is, if you follow the good shepherd, you can have just that. Now, as I, as I was preparing for this, I ha have been over the last few weeks, it became clear that on that list that I've just read, there is far too much for just one message. So in the time that remains, I'm just going to pull out one stream of living water for today. And we'll take that in a little bit into our response time. And then we'll come back to drink again from this well in February, maybe even March, April. We'll see. And I'm just going to pull out one. And it's verse 3, and it's four words. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. And if you're here this morning, I just want you to remember that picture that Paul Morton gave. It's so relevant to this. He restores my soul. Again, just pause for a second. Just breathe that in. Let me ask you this. Anyone feeling battered and bruised? 
anyone gasping for air or spiritually parched? Anyone feel that COVID beats you all the way up one side and 2023 all the way down the other? In which case, I have good news for you. Psalm 23, verse 3, he promises, the shepherd promises, he restores my soul. And so if the picture is of a well that is dry or even empty, God wants to restore it. Psalm 23, until your cup runs over. John 7:38, till out of your belly flow rivers of living water. And it's key to understand that while the enemy is a destroyer, a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy in manifold ways of which you may have been the victim of many, God is a restorer. He is a rebuilder. He is a healer. He is a redeemer. He is a reconciler. So let's ask this question. How, how exactly does he restore? Of course, the answer is in many different ways. I'm just going to run through a list of some of the ways that God will restore your soul. I think I've got nine on my list, actually. The first one is his word, this is this morning's message, his word will refill you with faith. Maybe some of you need that. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe that's the lack. Maybe that's the brokenness. Maybe that's the thing that needs to be repaired and rebuilt. He will use his word to refill you with faith. First way he restores. Second way, the joy of the Lord will replenish your strength. Remember that verse, Nehemiah 8.10? The joy of the Lord is our strength. And God will restore that strength to us through joy. Number three, as you ask for his grace, he will empower you when you feel you lack the strength. And we're all there all the time, aren't we? And we stare at that mountain. You know, we can ask God for the grace that empowers and enables. And God will infuse that grace into your very soul and give you the strength and the power that you need to do what his word demands. How exactly does he, does he restore? Number four, fresh revelations of his love will expel your fears. And heal your wounds. Number five, when you, when you start resisting and, and yield to the shepherd, he, he will lead you because that's what he does. He will lead you towards life and towards peace. Number six on my list, praise. One of the ways God restores your soul is through praise. And through praise, we make sure that, that, that everything is rightly aligned and in balance and the right way up. And that's so much, really, of the cause of the problems that we face. Things get misaligned and up 
upside down and out of balance. And there's something about praise that brings those things back into alignment. Number six, seven. I can nearly count my letters. Singing great big God songs will drive the enemy away and leave the path clear for God to work in your life. It's an important part of restoration. Number eight, thanksgiving. One of the ways God restores you is through thanksgiving. Keeps our eyes fixed on heaven. Helps you to see things as God sees them. Such an important part of the restoration of our soul. We just see things wrong. Things start getting distorted, out of focus. We start things upside down and the wrong way around. But once we get God's perspective, we start to see things the right way around. That breathes a life into our soul. And then lastly on my list, worship will keep you humble and draw you to the safety of the holy. We know so much of the damage to our own souls is self-inflicted. We've sinned, we've walked in unforgiveness or offense or anger or fear or whatever it is. But as we fall on our knees, as we stare into his holiness, he restores our soul. Do you know what? Contrary to popular belief, Contrary to our well-meaning best intentions, contrary to any number of self-help manuals, we do not restore ourselves by doing it better or by doing it harder or by working at it longer. He restores us. And he does it through encounter. He does it through his word. He does it through revelation. I, I, in the middle of the night on the holiday this week, I had a powerful revelation of something that now I see it, it is obvious, but it explains to me how I act or react in, in a certain way that I do. And now I see it. God's shone his light on that, and now I'm praying into that. Pray that God will use that to, to start to restore my soul in one particular area. God restores us through worship. He restores us through prayer. He restores us through ministry. It's good news. And if that's the case, if God is the one who does the restoring, what then is our responsibility? Surrender. Amen. John 7, 7 37 is where we're going to go. Come to this one often. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's pretty nearly impossible to be refreshing without this passage, to be honest. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living waters. First, we have to come. We simply have to draw near to God and surrender and ask. And then you have to drink. When, when you come, you have to yield to him. You have to drink from his cup. You have to drink the water that he provides. And you have to believe. Boldly and humbly place yourself in his hands and trust in his provision as the shepherd rather than your own 
or being suckered off in any other direction. And here's the promise in that verse. That the Holy Spirit who dwells within you will produce in you, will flow out of you a river of life. Isaiah 41, 17, we're nearly done. When the poor and needy search for water and there is none, and their tongues are parched from thirst, then I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will never abandon them. Verse 18, I will open up rivers for them on the high plateaus. I will give them fountains of water in the valleys. I will fill the desert with pools of water. Rivers fed by springs will flow across the parched ground. Very clear double reference in that. Natural and spiritual. In the drought. In the depths of the valley. Some of you might feel you're in the drought. Some of you might feel that you're in the depths of a valley. The Lord says, I will open up for you spiritual, excuse me, rivers and fountains and pools and springs. And I will fill you up to the brim once again. So what can you do today? The answer is place yourself in the Lord's hands. First thing I think you need to do is, is to be honest about your thirst. Come to him humbly for a drink. And, and actually there are one or two things you, you can do to prepare the way for that. And much of this spins back into, into where we started. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, today you can cast your cares, your burdens, your anxieties, your fears, your worries, you can cast them upon the Lord. You know, today you can make a decision to stop clinging to that offense or, or start guarding that hurt. I think so, sometimes we, we, we're so worried about, about letting down the guard and letting God in, we, we kind of self-protect, don't we? You know you're hurting, but those people close to you know exactly where you're hurting and why and how and what effect it has. Be honest with the Lord about it and let him in. Stop guarding that heart, that hurt. Stop, stop hiding behind that wall. Stop resisting the restoration of the Lord when in your heart of hearts you know that he is your only hope. And instead of that calm, and surrender, and yield, and drink. Soften your heart. Fall on your knees. Pray that prayer you have been longing to pray. Let the Lord have what you know you have been withholding. Make a decision to obey what you know he has been demanding. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Verse 6, 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The worship team would like to come up, make their way to the front. That would be great. It's nearly response time, which I know is what you came for. I know. As you, as you respond today, as always, there are three things you can do. First of all, you can pay a visit to our prayer ministry team. We'll gladly pray for you. The second thing you can do is you can do business with God. You can do that way you're seated. But I encourage you to come to the front. Be bold. Come to the front and do business with God over this side. And the third thing you can do is if you need healing in your body, I, I'm available to pray for you as I have as I've promised. So I'm just going to bring back to you two questions to set that up. Two things that I'd encourage you to do business with. Take to the Lord this evening. Number one is who is shepherding your life? Who is shepherding your life? And there's a question you might like to consider, which is this. How does the situation you are currently in facing change with a different shepherd. Do you know what I mean by that? That's the first thing that kind of to stimulate our response. The second one, very simply and predictably, is does your soul need to be restored? And the answer is yes. <laughs> In which case, I'd encourage you tonight to reach out because you know what? God is in the business of restoring weary and hurting souls, even broken hearts. So I'm going to pray very briefly. Then we're going to open up as long as we need for that response. The team will worship. But the aim really is to give you the time and the space unhurried, Without me talking to you, just to spend some time seeking and asking, knocking, just some time soaking with a soft and open heart. Allow the Lord in with those two probing questions. Who is my shepherd? Number one. And secondly, I'm going to pray a prayer in a minute. God, would you restore my soul? You know what I lack? You know where I hurt? You above all know what I need. And I recognize that you are the savior. You are the deliverer. You are the healer. You are the restorer. And just say, Lord, come. Come and do in me what I know that I cannot do myself because I've banged my head against that brick wall until my head hurts. But tonight I'm going to open wide my heart. Let down my guard. Trusting the shepherd with the sheep in his hand. Saying, Lord, restore my soul. Amen. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. I think I just did actually. But I'm going to do it again because it's a good thing to do here in church.
Very simple prayer. Holy Spirit, come. We welcome you afresh into this room, into this moment. And I believe this is a holy moment. I believe this is a precious opportunity. And the prayer, Holy Spirit, very simply, is we give you the room. We let down our guard. We soften our hearts. We open our ears. And we invite you in. Great shepherd, chief shepherd, good shepherd. And Lord, I pray that you would restore what has grown dry and empty. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would heal what is deeply hurting. I pray that you would liberate what has been bound. That you would repair what has been broken. And we know we can't do it ourselves. We trust that you can. So Holy Spirit, we place ourselves in your hands. We give you this time, this space. Come do your work among us, we pray, Holy Spirit.